Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now, what's up friends? Welcome to another episode of After 9. Let's have some fun today here, Kat. <laughs> Let's do it. Yesterday we had that news conference from Dr. Kieran Moore. Uh, Kieran's a, a quirky little guy, isn't he? He uh, he became our chief medical officer of health roughly a year ago, and ever since then it has been a real roller coaster. At first, all the COVID zero folks loved him, and then people who don't like the restrictions and constantly closing businesses thought he was an asshole. And then the tides turned around when Kieran started reducing restrictions and lifting mandates. And now I think for the most part, most people are okay with the guy. They don't like him because of what he did to all those businesses and all those people, but they can live with him. But the COVID zero folks have completely turned on him. People are demanding his resignation this morning, and we'll explain why coming up in just a sec. First off, let's take you back to yesterday because there was a couple of points that stood out to me. Uh, give this a listen. I know you said you're recommending well-fitting masks, that people wear them, but can you be clear about why you are not making it mandatory in a setting like a school, for example? Well, we are very mask-friendly in Ontario. We're absolutely still providing free masks to workers, the 300,000 workers in that environment, the 2.75 million children. Uh, Those are provided free of charge, uh, absolutely embracing um, that um, they can and should be used. but uh, we've already responded that an individual risk is exceptionally low. Uh, um, I also just... (laughs) Okay, let's stop you right there, because you could have gone a lot further there, Kieran. The risk is exceptionally low. Now, he's not saying, Kat, the risk of transmission is exceptionally low. I've maintained from the start that the risk of transmission in the schools is exceptionally high. No mask, it's probably running like wildfire through the schools. I have to imagine. Sure. But the risk for a, a negative outcome, being hospitalized, being in the ICU, or God forbid, death, is exceptionally low. So for all the people, all the adults who are afraid, screaming that the kids need to do more, that's enough. Stop that shit right now. Even Dr. Moore has now said it. The risk to kids from COVID is exceptionally low. Here's a little bit more. It's very important to follow causative admissions versus incidental admissions. So, the- Are we doing that now? Now is the chief medical officer going to be like all of the quote-unquote conspiracy theorists that we're asking for well over a year? How many people in the hospital with COVID are there because of COVID versus how many people got in a, I don't know, a fender bender and they banged up their knee and happened to test positive when they were in the hospital? not being treated for COVID, just in the hospital. Now even the chief medical officer is using that. Just to back up on all of this, I just like, who is angry about what he said, basically? Who was expecting it where he would come out and say, yeah, you know what, reverse. Let's just hit reverse here. Let's go backwards. Let's do this. I don't get it. I mean, I've avoided all those Twitter fools, in my opinion, that are going on and on about, we need to stop doing this and stop doing that. People are getting sick. It's absolutely true. Um, It's spreading in the schools. It's absolutely true. But for the most part, schools are just making do. I don't know why we got to, and here we go. Ready? I'm going to pull a Peter Uni. Stop fucking moaning about it. 
Like, stop. It's irritating. I, I don't, I avoid it, to be honest with you. And I know most of them are on Twitter. That's where you tend to see it and hear about it. So I kind of just avoid Twitter and then my life's better. I strongly recommend that to anybody who's annoyed by it. Cat, you need to change your attitude. Yeah. We need to stop moaning. What's wrong with shutting down the province again? Because the I doctors mean, wh- still get paid. Who cares? It's not, it's not something that's going to happen, so I, I just don't understand. I think the majority of people know that, but it's like this smaller number of people that are so fucking loud and irritating all the time. I mean, who gives a shit? And I know you're probably going to talk about it, but also, can we stop giving a shit if people go on vacation, which they're (laughs) fully allowed to do, by the way, is go on a vacation? Why are people fucking flipping out about this, too? Just shut the fuck up. You're probably just jealous you can't go on a vacation because you're too afraid or whatever. And if that's the case, cool. Hey, I'm not going on vacation either. I'm not there yet, but I'm not going to bitch and moan about someone who's done a job and does a job and is allowed vacation time to take a fucking vacation. He went to the Caribbean last week, I guess, and this was big news. I'm just, I, I'm just, maybe I'm just at the point where I'm just sick of people. Like, I'm sick of people. I'm sick of hearing them complaining. I don't give a fuck. We're doing well. People are getting sick here and there and everywhere. And this is going to have to be life. We're probably once a year, we might come down with COVID. It might happen. Once a year, just as so we have um, a flu or anything else that's going around right now, which, by the way, also exists. I know a plenty of people that have influenza. It's the same shit as it's been happening for years and years. Now we just have COVID tacked onto it. We can live this way. Stop finding little fucking things to get angry about. And by the way, they're very politically charged, too, which pisses me off even more so. Uh, Let's play just a little bit more of this answer and the follow-up question. And then I do want to talk about Dr. Moore's vacation last week. I'm glad you brought that up. That's one of the reasons that some are already calling for him to be fired. We're only at 45% of all admissions. Uh, And for the intensive care unit setting, uh, I believe it's at 65% today. Um, So when we report 180 admissions to hospital uh, in the intensive care unit setting, take into consideration it's 65% that are causal, uh, that you may have had a motor vehicle collision, you may have had some other medical issue, uh, and incidentally tested positive by PCR because PCR testing can stay positive of long after uh, you've recovered from COVID. So there's some nuances to the data and the projections and the modeling that we have to review very, very closely. But despite that, Ontario Health has given us assurance that we have capacity in Ontario uh, to care uh, for all Ontarians, uh, even with the projection uh, of a number like 600 individuals uh, in the intensive care unit. It's my goal as a prevention specialist uh, to (laughs) ensure that Ontarians are aware of that risk uh, four weeks from now to ensure uh, that they get their uh, booster dose of vaccine to ensure that they're aware that there are treatments now, abundance of treatment options, uh, including over 40,000 doses of Paxlovid that we'd love to be able to distribute and prevent admissions to hospital and ICU, uh, and hence the reason I'm out today. He's a prevention specialist, Cat. That's what he is. Listen, Kieran, Kieran, I don't like you. I don't think you're particularly good at your job. But one thing I will say is I'm going to offer you a bit of advice. Maybe don't go with the whole prevention specialist shit when basically what we're doing is letting COVID run wild. We're basically, uh, it seems to be the strategy that if people catch it right now, this is probably the variant that they want to catch if they have to catch any at all. So let them catch it now, build up some natural immunity, and then we go into the summertime feeling great. I wouldn't call yourself a prevention specialist (laughs) because there's not a lot of prevention going on right now. But anyway. Here's the, the follow-up question. Question, are you willing to... All the measures, like a month ago, um, we've talked about knowing there's going to be another wave. Did you know it would be this big or eventually get to 600 people in the ICU? We absolutely knew BA2 was going to be circulating uh, and uh, 
we uh, have seen uh, that there is a benefit from being immunized against BA2. There's still strong protection levels. It's just that over time, your protection levels do fade from around 90% protection against BA2 to 80 to 70 to 60 over time. Uh, and hence the reason I'm here today to really promote uh, the booster dose of the vaccine that we announced last week. Uh, and also uh, in anticipation of that risk uh, to ensure uh, that all Ontarians are aware that there is now much more abundance of, of uh, outpatient treatments uh, that I hope the 4,700 pharmacies are willing to dispense and we'll have that up uh, for you tomorrow to be able to assess and that we've done a tremendous amount of education over the last week for all of our primary care providers, specialists and emergency physicians to ensure that they're aware of how to safely prescribe this medication so that it can be put in best use to prevent uh, that modeled rise uh, in, uh, in admissions to the hospital sector. All right. Uh, that's enough from Dr. Moore there. I, uh, he really doubled down yesterday on the third shot, fourth shot, fifth shot, sixth shot, seventh shot, any, any shot you want. Just get a shot, any shot. Really doubled down on it. You know, you got to give the guy credit. It takes balls to look directly into the camera, knowing how loud the calls are to reinstate masking with a 90% vaccination rate and still insist that your best defense is getting vaccinated. Now, I don't want to take away from the vaxes, but you just heard the doctor himself say it, how quickly your immunity wanes after that. It seems to me that there's another way. But anyway, back to Dr. Moore here. He is also in the news because the people who don't like him, the people who are angry that he's not going to mandate masks coming back, and he never was going to. You can scream as loud as you want on Twitter. It's not going to change. Nothing is going to change. We are not going back. We're too close to the election. Doug will absolutely not allow it. The mask mandate's not coming back. But people are angry because last week, in the time that the doctor said he would not be doing his regular briefings, he went on vacation. He went down to the Caribbean. Dr. Moore sipping on margaritas, probably wearing a big straw hat in sandals with Velcro straps, and I'm going to guess a Speedo. <laughs> I'm, Definitely I'm, a Speedo. You look at Dr. Moore and you think, there's a fucking guy who likes his banana hammock. That's a Speedo man right there. He was wandering around the Caribbean having himself a time. Then he comes back and he does his news conference, and then somebody, I believe it was City News, I'll give them credit for this one, they broke the story this morning that Dr. Moore was in the Caribbean last week. And two things have come from that. Some people are angry that the good doctor was gone while we're in the middle of this sixth wave. Oh, it's irresponsible to be gone when you're in the middle of a sixth wave. Is it? When's a good time for Dr. Moore to go? Because he's allowed vacation time just yeah. like any of us are. You know, well, you know what I really enjoy, Scott, is when people are super burnt out giving us medical advice. That's the best, isn't it? <laughs> like, we all fucking deserve vacation. It, that irritates me so much that, A, and City News, you're, you're one of those people, you're one of those news outlets that are going to break stuff like that. But I do ask the question, like, is this really news? I, I understand that there are people that are angry about it. And, and you're right, Scott. There are people who hear that and go, well, you should be here like the rest of us. Well, first of all, no, not like the rest of us. You are comfortable staying here. There are a plenty of people traveling right now enjoying what they much deserve, which is a nice a vacation wherever it might be into a tropical destination is one of many that people are enjoying right now he has a job like everybody else in the world he has vacation time like most people do in the world and why the hell not enjoy that time and take a breather i 
personally prefer everybody whom I get advice from, and I'm not saying I take direct advice from him all the time, but let's say I do. I prefer them to be well-rested so that they make choices that are not based on, you know, stress and build all that buildup that we all have when we are a little burnt out. The dude deserves a vacation. Whether you think he does or not is not even relevant here. I mean, we all deserve time to take it go away from work, think about ourselves, focus on our personal lives, maybe just completely disconnect. We all actually need that. It makes us better people. Like, what about the advocates who who are all about doing stuff like that for our own mental health. My God, could you imagine what he goes through on a daily basis, scrolling through, checking out the tweets from these fucking trolls or the comments that are made, or maybe even letters that he has to physically open from old people who can't figure out how to complain any other way or who want to make a statement by sending a letter? Fine. But he has to go through all of those on a daily basis. Like, that's stressful. Regardless if you like the guy or not, he and anyone else deserves vacation time. Give it a fucking rest. Okay. Calm down about it. The other part of this vacation uh, gate, I guess, whatever, is um, I, I think by now everyone understands the federal travel rules. Yeah, you can leave if you're vaxxed. You can come back if you're vaxxed. But regardless of your vax status, when you return to Canada, you have to mask in public for two weeks upon your return to Canada. And Dr. Moore was right there yesterday at Queen's Park doing a news conference mere feet away from reporters not wearing a mask. Did he break federal law, Kat? Uh, I don't think he did. Were people actually that close close to him anyway? uh, One of them, I think it was Brian Lilly that was in the front row asking questions yesterday. Um, So I guess he was close enough. I I, I would think that... uh, for the most part, he was distanced from people and he did have his mask on before he came out and he put it on when he left again. He just didn't have it on for the actual news conference. But the fact that he didn't have it on, even if there was one frame of a photo that had him without his mask on, people would lose their minds. Look at this guy. Look at him. He's not even wearing a mask himself and he just got back. I don't know. I think most people generally ignore those federal mandates. I I think most people realize it's completely useless. Uh, Is the goal of that mandate to keep COVID out of Canada? Because if it is, Justin and Omar and and so on, I got news for you. It's here. That's doing nothing, the masking thing. What are you worried about, some dirty Caribbean variant? Is that the concern here? Knock the shit off. We don't need that rule. We don't need a lot of the rules that we currently have in place. And the doctor is uh, doing what's best for him. And that's what we were all told to do. Yesterday, he said the same thing that Dr. Fauci said on the U.S. news channels over the weekend. You need to assess your own risk. And part of assessing your own risk is not just looking at the situation that you're walking into. Ooh, am I walking into a, an indoor space with a whole bunch of people that I don't know? Is that safe? Yeah, I mean, that's part of assessing your risk. But part of assessing your risk is also assessing your own risk tolerance. Me, I'm not worried about catching COVID-19. I'm really not. I know that if I happen to catch it, there's an extremely slim chance that I'm going to have a dire outcome. And if I do have a serious outcome, I know that we have antiviral pills that they can prescribe. We have medical professionals who are waiting at the hospital with lots of capacity. And that's part of the reason that we are where we are now is we have the capacity, we have the drugs. If Dr. Moore doesn't want to wear a mask for his news conference, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to be on TV in a mask either. 
that's just not the the message you want to convey. He's also trying to convey a message of calmness and sanity. This is not like we were a year ago. A year ago right now, schools were closed, hair salons were closed, restaurants were closed, all those things were closed. It's much, much different this wave. And the reason for that is this variant is not that serious. I mean, yeah, people are getting sick, no doubt. We've got people that are off and quarantining and close contact bullshit and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I get it. But it's not translating into hospitalizations where our hospitals are in threat of being overrun. Uh, one of the other great things about this variant is it's a quick turnaround. Whereas people used to go into the hospital for, what was it, two, three weeks? Uh, now they're in and out in 24 to 48 hours in a lot of cases. So mm -hmm. we are still seeing new people get sent to hospital, but they're not there nearly as long. Our death numbers have not jumped substantially. Our hospitalization numbers on a trend, don't look at the day-to-day, -day, look at the trend, are fairly consistent. I don't think this is something we need to worry about right now. Continue living your lives. If you're worried, put on a mask. If you're worried that you see somebody without a mask and you're a big mask person, then stay six feet away from them. That's what you've been told literally since day one of this shit. Stay six feet away. You can still continue to do that. And if you want to complain on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, go right ahead. But I'm telling you, nothing's changing right now. You can scream till you're blue in the face. It's not going to change. If you're doing it to be political because you want to have, exert some influence over the upcoming election, oh, fine. But don't pretend it's about public health. Pre uh, just admit it's about politics. And let's stop blurring those lines between the two. And on that, we will move on to something else. Yes, please. <laughs> How are you uh, on the uh, the voice thing? Is things still holding up? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's there. It's it's happening. Uh, is Britney Spears pregnant? Yeah, I mean, I would assume that she wouldn't lie about something like that. Are we sure? Britney's a little uh, off from time to time. We've seen her do some weird stuff in some of her. Uh, uh, Instagram videos and so on and so forth. Yeah. Any chance she actually took like a COVID test by mistake? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that you would mistake peeing on a on a COVID test or even or even shoving something up your nose to find it if you're pregnant. But um, yeah, I mean Sam Asghari, who is I mean her, her husband at this point, um, posted that he's excited to be a father, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And she's been really open. And I know her posts are really like discombobulated; they're all over the map. And you have to kind of, every time you see see one, you have to figure out what the point of it is. Don't you have those people in life, though? Like, don't you have those people you know in life where they talk to you and they could talk to you for like five minutes and really they could have just said one sentence and it would have made sense to you? Like, okay, thank you for reiterating that information to me <laughs> and taking 15 minutes to get there. So her posts kind of remind me of someone like that because she just goes off on a bit of a tangent. So I understand where you're coming from there. But yeah, I mean, the gist is yesterday she posted... Um, that she felt off and she took a pregnancy test and she's pregnant. And she had been open about trying and they had to take the UTI out. And I mean, it was a lot of TMI that was, that was happening, especially right after the conservatorship that she was telling us, um, what she was forced to do and how she wanted to have a baby. And she's been made that clear even during her conservatorship. Um, she did a carpool karaoke, for example, that you can look up with James Corden several years ago. And she was still under this conservatorship saying that she wanted to have a baby. But she really didn't give any details because we knew that Jamie, her, her father, kind of had her right there in a chokehold basically if she said anything she wasn't supposed to say so she didn't say much else about it but she said she wanted to have a baby so she's this has been something that she's wanted to have is a third child and she did post yesterday that um that she is expecting and she's going to stay away from anywhere that might have paparazzi 
I assume for her that really just stay at home for her is awesome. I mean, she's got she's got a mansion currently. She's going to list. I believe she's going to list the home that she's lived in for so long. If she hasn't listed it already, she's probably already privately bought something else with Sam. So I assume she's just going to kind of be tucked away for the next nine months until baby comes. Hmm. Okay. Or babies, by the way. She alluded to, wow, maybe there's twins in there. I don't know. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, One of the things that I I believe it was Donald Trump when he was president back at the beginning of COVID-19. One of the phrases that he came up with was the cure can't be worse than the disease. What we do to respond to something can't be worse than the actual sickness itself. And he used that as an argument to say no more lockdowns. We can't do that to people again. We can't do that to kids again. Mm -hmm. No more lockdowns. The cure can't be worse than the disease. Well, flip it to something else non-COVID related. And I'm wondering if the same thing applies here. We all know there are men out there who have a problem in the bedroom specifically with their stamina, how long they can last during sex. A new study was looking into possible ways to help men last longer between the sheets. And doctors may be able to fix the issue now, Kat, by delivering electrical shocks right to a guy's dick. Oh. They tried it with a 28-year-old man who they say could only last 40 seconds in bed. No response. Okay, great. Seconds. 40 seconds. Oh, sorry. Did you fall over? 40 yeah. seconds is not a long time. Well, that's a good person to test it on then. They connected electrodes directly to his junk and they zapped it for 30 minutes, three times a week. A little over a year later, he was up to lasting just under five minutes in bed. That is a major improvement from 40 seconds to just under five minutes. Holy cow. They so did it. This is a one-time shocker, Rooney. Like how many times, like, is this one of the things where you have to go back several times to get shocked in the nuts or is it just like, or dick, whatever it is, or is it just one time? Three times a week, Three. 30 minutes each time. Yeah. So it's 90 minutes a week of electric shocks going right into his penis for an extra four minutes and 20 seconds. Oh, no, no, no. Doctors no. say... It worked. They stimulated his dorsal penile nerve. That will slow the contraction of muscles and allow men to last longer. But what I'm wondering is, if there's guys listening that have a little problem, and you know if you have that problem, is there any scenario where you would go in and take a shock in the cock for 30 minutes, three times a week, to buy you an extra four minutes. Because this guy did it for 15 months, weekly, and got up to five minutes in bed. I just don't see how that's like how that's worth it. Like that's a lot. Of, that takes time. First of all, three. If I, if you told me I had to take have three appointments a week for any fucking thing, I'm saying no, like, no. <laughs> I'm not doing anything three times a week. It's not happening. Um, <laughs> for that mu- for that reward, like risk. I suppose I don't know what the actual risks are, but even the the pain versus reward. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why this guy. I kind of feel bad for this guy in a way. Like, is it worth it, dude? Yeah, yeah, 
by the way, I'm quite impressed with my analogy, shock in the cock. I thought that was pretty good. Pretty I mean, you could yeah. give me credit for that. But you anyway. Could, you, could, you could call it the, the, cock, the shock cock shop <laughs> if you opened your own. <laughs> what would the sign outside look like? <laughs> you want to see a whole bunch of guys that are masking? They'll be putting masks, hats, everything on, walking in and out of that fucking place. You can bet that. No doubt. Uh, There's a really good article in BuzzFeed right now, and it comes from a Reddit thread, and it was younger people being explained older things by older people. If you're born, well, everybody was born at a specific time, so maybe that's a poor way of putting it. Let me say this again. If you were born in the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s, you had a very different childhood from the kids of today because technology evolves, people evolve, society is constantly evolving and and certain things just have to change. So for the benefit of those who are born in 2000 and up, that's people who are 22 years old and younger. Some of the greatest moments of the older generation's lives you never got to experience. And they put this in an article. So let me give you just a couple of examples. They say people who were born in the 2000s will never know what it was like to blow on those Nintendo cartridges to try and get your video game to work. I used to do that. Me too. Every time. And I don't even know what it was that popped into our heads that thought, well, pull it out and blow on it. That'll work. But for whatever reason, somebody discovered it and it went around the world and everyone just sort of knew. Oh, is your Donkey Kong acting up? Pull out the cartridge, blow on it, put it back in and push it down. (laughs) Let me ask you something, though, because it's still seeped into into the 2020s for me, because if I have an issue with like a USB, let's say I will sometimes unplug it and I will blow on it just because I remember that working at one point with another machine. Hold on a second. You blow on an eight uh, on a. Uh, yeah. Like if I was having issues with, uh, I don't know, my microphone here and uh, I had to I felt like I had to disconnect and reconnect it. I probably. <laughs> Give it a blow. You yeah, would, I probably would. You okay. Would blow on an uh, an eight uh, an Anything. HDMI cable. Yeah, uh, just like I feel like it just USB? works. Like every t- if you blow on it, it works. That's usually how. It, oh, maybe they should try that with the erectile dysfunction. Just blow <laughs> on it, and it'll work. <laughs> uh, get off the phone. I need to use the internet. Did yeah. you ever have to have that conversation with your siblings, where you wanted to be on the web, but they were on the phone? I remember like a really short-lived time, but I was re- I was young though when internet came out. I wasn't talking a ton on the phone really to begin with when we first got internet. But I do remember that being like I remember dial-up. I remember hearing the beep, boop, 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 and you could leave and come back like ten minutes later, and then finally you'd be connected, and everything was so slow. But in your mind, it was still cool. Um, so I do remember that, but I don't remember a lot of times arguing because I was quite young. I didn't really talk on the phone as much in, in those days. I was like early elementary school for me. Uh, okay, I got the phone. Hang up. That would oh, never yeah. happen. Oh. There's probably people that are 22 and younger right now that have never had to do that. Uh, yeah. Back in the day when there was likely just one landline coming into the house, any phone in the house could participate in that conversation. So yeah. if if uh, I'm in the kitchen and say, hey, cat, you got a call. Cat could pick up the phone in her room and talk, but she would have to yell down, I got it, hang up, 
so that I can't yeah. listen in on her conversation. Yep. And then you do the fake click. Did you ever do the fake out click? Like I had siblings, so sometimes we would just to piss them off is do the fake out click. So that's when you pretend to hang up like, okay, so that you answer the phone and it's their friend and you're like, okay, so I'd be like, Rob or Liz, get the phone. And then I would do a fake out click. So I would just click the phone receiver one time to make it seem like I hung up and then I'd be really quiet on the other end and then you could listen in. And then we just to piss them off when they're in the middle of a conversation with their friend and be like, yeah, did you do your science homework? You could just do things like, yeah, fuck you, man. <laughs> and then and then hear them be angry and be like, hang up the phone. It was, it was the best, man. That was a great pastime. Shut up. I need to record this song. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, back in the day when I first started in radio, uh, there was people who used to call the radio station. They'd be like, hey, I want to request uh, the real McCoy runaway, that hot new song. But can you not talk so I can record it for a mixtape? People used mm -hmm. to sit and tape songs off sure. the radio onto their cassettes. You were probably, sorry, but you were probably working when I used to do this because I used to call the old station and I, and I did request songs from time to time. But even if I didn't call and request songs, I would wait for those songs and I can distinctly remember it was <laughs> one, two, three, train with me. Uh oh, you know? And, and Tony Monaco was actually in the background introing that song or maybe he's extraing. I don't remember, but I remember he was, Someone was on location at Urban, like, this is weird that I have this memory, but I do, because I had this cassette tape and I played it before CDs, or before I at, le at least had a CD player, was I played a part of it, and Tony Monica was on the back of it talking about, eh, someone's live from Urban Planet, and then I, like, cut it off. Like, and I distinctly remember that, and I'm sure you were in there as well at some point. But yeah, that was something that I used to do. And if you were a really good friend, you would make a copy of that. If you were lucky, you had a double-decker, and you would make a copy of that mixed tape and give it to a friend so they wouldn't have to worry about recording their own music. Music too. That's what a good friend would do, or a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. What store was Tony at? Urban Planet. Oh, he was at Urban Planet. Okay, so that makes sense now, because Tony always did all the Urban Planets, and then I did all the Le Chateaus. That was how it worked. There you go. I spent the majority of my weekends in my 20s selling all you people club clothes. <laughs> I miss Le Chateau days. <laughs> Uh, still talking about things that people in the 2000s, born in the 2000s, will likely never know. Things like, uh, hey, can you pass me the phone book? I need to find whatever. Yeah, I, re I distinctly remember. That phone book used to sit on my kitchen table. And even though I wasn't allowed to set my backpack on the table or set anything that I needed on the table... We always had room for the phone book, just in case, I don't know, the sink backed up and we needed to use the yellow pages to call a plumber or something like that. The phone book had to be accessible at all times. What do you think ever happened to all the phone books in the world? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, they're probably in the landfill, but we could use them. Remember a little while ago we were talking about that city or the town or maybe there were several of them that used phone books to just temporarily... <laughs> temporarily help out the potholes yeah and you shove a phone book in the potholes and then just cover that up over top it's a brilliant idea it yeah. uses far less asphalt you yeah. stick the phone book in cover up a little bit of asphalt boom you got yourself a nice level playing field uh you were obviously not born in the 2000s but you're younger than i am did you ever have an opportunity to go to a restaurant where they asked you if you'd like smoking or non-smoking 
Oh man, I I don't even honestly I vaguely I vaguely remember that. I don't really remember it uh well. And I don't know if it's cuz we didn't dine out a lot, but I do remember the seeing the barricades. Remember it was a big deal when they actually because they used to never barricade it off or anything. But then years later it became a thing where people at Tim Hortons for example could put up a big glass remember they put like a big glass dome around the smokers basically and that yep. was their way to help. Mhm. Remember that? The glass probably helped. I have very vivid memories of the smoking lounge that they used to have at Pearson Airport. Back in the day, it was just a glassed-in room where you could walk in and light yourself a dart before your flight. And now those things don't exist anymore, except for in specific airports. The last time I was in Atlanta, which was probably about a year ago, they still had a smoking room there. I think Vegas, if I'm not mistaken, Vegas does as well. It's kind of nice. I mean, a lot of people smoke socially when they're on vacation and then they drop the habit when they get back to Canada. But if you picked it up when you were in Vegas and you want to have one more for the road, yeah, it'd be kind of nice to be able to do that after security. But anyway, back in the day, restaurants used to ask you, would you like to sit in the smoking section or not? The thing is, there was nothing separating the smoking section from the non. It was like this side is smoking. That side is non-smoking. There was nothing to prevent the smoke in the smoking section from wandering over to the non-smoking. The whole thing was stupid. But there we are. We used to do that all the time. I kind of miss that. Back in the day, would you like smoking or non? It was funny because my mom was a smoker, and I could tell she wanted that smoking section. She wanted it bad. But she was with my brother and I, and she would always have to say, (laughs) non-smoking. That's all right. The smoke wandered anyway. Uh, One more thing here. Progressive Insurance has done a survey specifically on some of the bad driving habits that we all have. And some of the things they found out are interesting. Until now, the thing that was considered most offensive about other drivers is if you spotted someone driving under the influence. A drunk driver is a dangerous driver and a bad driver and unacceptable. Now it's changed. 69% say the driving behavior of others that offends us the most, texting or holding a cell phone behind the wheel. Ah, really? I've never seen stats on what's actually more dangerous, what's producing more accidents. I suppose they'll update those sooner or later, but I have to think that distracted driving is right up there with impaired driving, Mm -hmm. so I don't blame people for being upset when they see that. Yeah, I mean, it is upsetting and you you can tell you don't even have to be beside someone to know that they're definitely distracted by a phone because I've seen it when the person's in front of me and we're waiting for a light. And I'm not usually the type I won't lay on my horn or anything when it go right when it goes green, like, go, 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 because I understand this shit happens. And sometimes I'm looking off to the side and oh, the light's green. So I usually give people some grace time, you know. But you can tell the ones that are distracted and looking on their phone and they haven't looked up in and they don't realize because when you're looking at your phone, time flies. And some people are looking on their phone and they think it's only been like 10 seconds and you're like, nope, it's been like 30. Let's move, please. So, yeah, I mean, that is it's irritating. It's irritating because you think about the people that are on the road. You you should be paying attention to the road. I mean, imagine somebody you loved got into uh, a, a bad collision because the other person was sending a text. Like, it's just such a stupid fucking thing to do. It's such an easy thing to stop and pull over or figure out a way i know not everybody has the technology in their car but uh, consider upgrading if it really means that much to you to text somebody back in the same way that the government regulates seat belts must be installed in a car and all the other safety features airbags that sort of thing 
I actually think that CarPlay and Android Auto should be mandatory safety equipment in a car. In this day and age, with the temptation of the phone and the addiction that is real for a lot of people to their phone or to being completely connected, I don't see any other way. The fact that some car dealers will throw it in as a bargain of some sort, or the fact that some car dealers will charge extra for that, I don't think that's an an acceptable thing. That should just be a cost of doing business for the dealerships and for the manufacturers. CarPlay and Android Auto should absolutely be standard safety equipment. The most dangerous days to drive are now Fridays and Mondays. Oh, really? Mondays and Fridays are the two most dangerous days to drive. That is when the most collisions occur. Saturdays and Sundays, statistically, are the safest days to drive. I don't, I fucking don't, I don't believe that for Sundays. I don't believe that for a second. There's something about Sundays that I always run into people who don't know how to drive. Every single time, especially if I have to take a high, the highway, if I'm going to visit somebody on the highway, I find that that's the time where everybody who doesn't usually drive on the highway is happens to be driving on the highway and they're cutting people off. And it just happened actually this past Sunday. And the person couldn't even do like 50 off the ramp to the 401. It's 100 here, dude. Move your fucking ass. You're going to cause an accident. Like, are you new? This is not how you drive. It drives me crazy, but it's always on a Sunday for me. So that's not my experience. Friday, I find, yeah, people are a little more speedy, maybe in a rush to get home or get their errands done so that they can start their nights. So maybe that makes a little bit of sense. Oh, but for me, Sunday is not a safe day at all. Perception versus reality is an issue here. 40% of drivers admit that they've driven aggressively. But 80% of drivers say they've witnessed other people driving aggressively. Does that mean 40% of the population is doing 80% of the aggressive driving? No, I think most people drive aggressively from time to time. It probably depends on the scenario. But most people don't want to look in the mirror and admit they're one of them. Same with this. 17% of drivers admit They've given somebody the finger behind the wheel. Yeah, you cut me off. Fuck you. Here's your bird. But 69% of drivers report they've been flipped off. Are 17% doing 70% of the flipping? Nope. There's just a lot of people that won't admit it. And I don't know why. Yeah, the bird is a perfectly acceptable way to display your dissatisfaction with the current situation. I completely agree with you. Somebody cut you off? Fuck you. Give them the bird. <laughs> hey, but you know what, though? When you do that, let it go. Don't let that escalate further. And you know if you're an asshole. If you're an asshole and you are driving in the left lane or you cut somebody off or you didn't get over when there was a vehicle stopped on the side of the road or whatever it was, maybe you were driving with your cell phone. You deserve it if somebody flips you mm-hmm. off. You deserve it. You should take it like a an adult and just yeah. move on. You don't need to retaliate. And mm-hmm. and from you, the flipper's perspective, give him the finger and then let it go. We don't need to let this escalate into some serious yes. road rage issue. Everybody That's understands what went wrong here. Here's your fuck you. And then we carry on with our day. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to chase each other to the next <laughs> ramp and th- want to throw down when we get there. You're absolutely right. Thank you for saying what needs to be said. That's the thing is like, you know, there's been there. There was an occasion where a guy got out of his car on the on the I was on the 427 and a man 
who he he thought I cut cut him off. And okay, that could be argued because I actually didn't cut him off. He was speeding. You know these people that go so fast that when you change lanes, you realize as you're changing lanes, like holy shit, they're doing like way over the limit here, and I'm trying to change lanes in a safe like a safe kilometer per hour situation, right? So this guy got pissed at me, assuming that I cut him off, even though he's the one doing like 140, 150. When I'm doing 102, I'm already going above the speed limit. Like, fuck you, man. And I need to get over. You're the one that's speeding like an asshole. So then he cuts around me on the shoulder and attempts to make me st- my vehicle stop and gets out of the fucking car. You know oh. what? You, wa- you want to say fuck you to me? You want to flip me the bird? I will, I'll accept that, even though you're the prick in this situation. But you know what? Fine, prick. I'll take the fuck you. No problem. But getting out of your car, like, let's just calm the fuck down. Like, who's really in the wrong here? Do you feel good about yourself that you got out of the car and scared the shit out of at the time at like a 20-something? Get the fuck back in the car and go drive to, because wherever you're going is so goddamn important that you had to drive 150. Go get to your destination you little c- sorry oh i shouldn't say that <laughs> just hit the bleep for you you're good thank god for that delay i never say that word but this guy was one <laughs> well welcome to the club i use that word a lot i know uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we're gonna wrap it up for today you have yourselves a fantastic tuesday sunshine and 17 degrees is amazing but just quickly for all of our listeners in manitoba Holy shit. I'm thinking about you guys. I've never seen that kind of hyperbole from Environment Canada. Environment Canada is saying this is going to be the worst blizzard in decades. There are parts of Manitoba that are going to get 80 centimeters of snow by Friday morning with 70 to 90 kilometer per hour winds. Environment Canada says for uh, Brandon, Manitoba, for example... It's going to be a complete whiteout, a total blizzard. They're saying today, Tuesday, the 12th of April, is your day to stock up on any foods or medicines you need to get you through the next three to five days because roads will be impassable and traveling from city to city will be impossible. That's how bad it's going to be in Winnipeg. In April. Yeah. Oh, and that's the worst part. Actually, my dad is in Winnipeg right now. He got there yesterday after a three-hour tarmac delay in Toronto. He finally got there, and he was late. So he had a lot of work to jam in there. And he was supposed to be there until tomorrow, Wednesday. Then he saw the notification from Air Canada. You can switch your flight if you want. And he saw that there's 80 centimeters of snow, and he said, fuck this, I'm out of here. So he's flying back tonight. I got to go pick him up (laughs) at the airport at like 10 o'clock. That's a good idea. Shoot me. Have a great day, guys, uh, and good luck and Godspeed to everybody in Manitoba. We will catch you right back here with another episode of After 9 tomorrow. Bye. The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.